Welcome to Gym Wag, a podcast series hosted by me, Lisa Eaton. Over at G&T, I'll be interviewing some of the region's most respected business leaders, CEOs and CMOs to hear all about their journey and their experiences. So take a seat, pour a drink and join us for an inspiring half hour of like-minded chat. episode, I'm going to be talking to the amazing Alice Rowan Hall. Alice transformed her career from teaching assistant to entrepreneur with incredible success. Alice founded Pink Boutique alongside her mum with a £90 investment and the fashion retailer grew to earn over £25 in sales every year. After exiting her first entrepreneurial venue, Alice founded Rowan Group with her husband, a business group including online homeware retailer Rowan Homes and property development company Rowan Investments. Inspired by her experience of shopping for her daughter's dietary requirements, Alice also owns Locale, an allergy box, food companies under the Rowan Group brand. Featured on Forbes 30 Under 30 and the Fast Track 100, Alice's career sets an example for young entrepreneurs everywhere. You're going to love this episode. It is full of passion, drive and making the impossible happen. Enjoy. So welcome, Alice, to Ginwag. Um, it's only two o'clock in the afternoon, so possibly a little early for a gin right now, but maybe later. Thank you for being here. <laughs> um, where to even start with your journey, Alice? It's been so unbelievably unique, um, but I'm going to start here. Um, you're on the Forbes 30 under 30 Europe list. How did that feel? And did you ever expect to see your name there? So that was absolutely crazy because I didn't get any kind of heads up. I just got an email in my inbox saying that I was on the list, which was mental. It was a little while ago now. Um, still clinging on to that 30 under 30 on my email signature. But unfortunately, I'm not under 30 anymore. So, uh, no, just I think it's crazy when you get like a big name, um, just you just gets dropped into your inbox. And so that was a mega privilege. So and, and next to some incredible names, I just couldn't really believe it. I'm still in that mindset, I think, where I'm like just doing my own thing and then like, People say, oh, you've done this, you've done that. And um, we're kind of just so busy that you don't really lift your head up. So, yeah, it's a great privilege. Um, and, and I can't quite believe it. I still feel a little bit of a cheat getting that. <laughs> well, absolutely not. Very, very well deserved. So, I mean, you've had a wildly successful business career to date. Um, and I guess my question is, did you always know you wanted to run your own business? You know, what made you take the first steps and was it always in the plan or was it was it an accidental on purpose? So it wasn't in the plan. Um, and I've spoken to quite a few young people um, and been back to uni and stuff. And I always reiterate this point because I think there's a lot of entrepreneurial stories where people, you know, they were wheeling and dealing in the school playground and all of that. I was literally the lazy kid. So I um, <laughs> I wasn't interested. I'd rather have a chat at school. And um, not that that is the right approach. If I went back, obviously, I wouldn't be like that. But uni, um, I str struggled to get myself out of bed. I was quite disengaged. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I think 
this is quite important i feel to to raise because there are a lot of people young people out there who don't have it have a plan and i didn't have a plan i graduated um with a journalism degree um and it was during the recession so i um knew that if I wanted a job at all, I'd probably have to go to London, but even some fantastic journalists were losing work. So it wasn't really an option for me to go into journalism. And also I liked English at school. I didn't know what to do. I thought journalism would be a bit more vocational, like I'd be more likely to get a job um, out of it rather than doing an English degree. And I wasn't sure what I'd do after that other than teach. Um, so, to keep my options open. But when I did my degree, I realized I was doing a lot of ringing people and then putting their phone down on me. And I thought that I'd be writing about makeup products and stuff, you know, that I'd just do what I wanted. And that I slowly realized that it wasn't like that in the world of work, especially entry level. So, um, while I was at uni, I worked on beauty counters. I absolutely loved it. And then when I left, I actually ended up getting a job as a teaching assistant. So kind of, um, it, I was like a supply teacher, but based in the school. Um, it's called a cover supervisor. Fantastic job working with teenagers. They're hilarious. And um, you're always in favor as the supply teacher because they think they can get away with doing no work. Um, they, quite often they did there was a lot of output but um they had a laugh and we all had a laugh and it was fab and i went to a senior um it was a training meeting that would have kind of every so often um to progress and i think teaching as a career um they often the senior leadership in schools try to continually train and and develop um people who work there and um one of the questions we sat down and i remember it was like the deputy head i think she said um write on a piece of paper i want you to write where you think you'll be in one five or three five in ten years time you know one of those short term medium term long term and i wrote on the piece of paper um by ten years time i want to have my own business and i don't really know where it came from but it seemed to stick with me after that and it's interesting because I think if I went back and I, if I saw that person again, I'd really credit them with starting off my, my business journey. After that point, I started realizing, I mean, I was absolutely skinned and I could not pay my bills. Um, and I started realizing that I could fit as many, the more hours that I fit in, the more I could earn. So I started understanding how far I could go and this was a real transformation from that quite um disengaged person um who who just was not kind of, did had no direction to um somebody who who started realizing hang on I can make of this what I want to um so it was kind of a bit of a coming of age period for me and I got a job in a bar I would do agency work on the weekends and then I started selling clothing on eBay and that I became a bit of a workaholic it's a bit a bit of a, a mad story how different it was um and and then there was the whole business journey um 
So, so yeah, it was not always in the plan. And if anyone's listening, they're thinking, what, what am I going to do trying to get that motivation? It, you don't have to have it all planned out now, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And that's great advice. And I think it's really funny because I, I work best when I write a goal down and often I don't know what the big plan is, but as soon as I write something down, it's almost like a commitment to myself that it's going to happen and whatever comes in the way there that that happens so you know it's funny when we talk about setting goals and any advice I always give around setting goals is write it down because then it's real and it feels like that was a real pivotal moment for you you know writing down on that piece of paper made it almost you know that come to life yeah a hundred percent I think it's great making that commitment having things like vision boards I know people sometimes feel like they're a bit airy-fairy but it's it is kind of a it's manifesting you can give it a word manifestation but it's really just committing to it and reminding yourself of it and and I think that can be really powerful yeah absolutely so you started your business journey at Pink Boutique, I guess, what was your baby then, um, with £90 investment and in uh, in business with your mum. What was working uh, with your mum like? How was that mother and daughter relationship in, in business? Um, well, I think that family businesses are quite unique in the way that I would say you don't have a filter in the way that you usually probably would with a business partner that you weren't family with um, related to. Um, so you can often say things or go further than you usually would. And that can exacerbate things. But at the same time, you show up so much like, you know, that if something happens, like, you know, your mum's going to be there or your sister like if you if you're calling people and you know that you can count on your family so there's this incredible bond that makes you like so close-knit and driven together but at the same time there's all of that emotion mixed in with it so you know me and mama make a fantastic team because I am very um creative and she's creative too but I, I'm like very social media driven tech driven looking at like algorithms stuff like that how to break them and really into the creative side of things and the marketing side of things and my mum loves finance processes um she's very much that real safe pair of hands she keeps a hold of the purse strings And so we made a really great team because we are like yin and yang. Um, But at the same time, there's all those different dynamics. And I think after about eight years, I did kind of get to that point where we didn't, we weren't like a traditional mother and daughter. So we would make resolutions to not talk about work over the Sunday dinner table, but in it constantly reverted to that and I think we we really wanted to kind of get that relationship back and since I exited that business we've been really kind of working on that relationship and we've managed to get a lot of that back so it's been absolutely lovely over the past year to spend some quality non-work-based time with my mum and my daughter has been a big part in that you know she's the grandchild so you can't possibly talk about work when there's a three-year-old running around and needing loads of attention so yeah it was fantastic 
and emotional. Yeah, I can imagine. It's funny because, um, as you know, I went into business with my one of my best mates. Um, so Amy and I set up Unwritten together and we'd worked together for many years before setting up Unwritten. But having your own business, it changed every bit of our friendship into this insane mix of work and pleasure at all points. So we'd be on a bar on a Saturday night out with all the girls and we'd get ourselves into a deep conversation about what we were going to do with the business next month and what we're going to do with this issue. And, um, you know, it is so very difficult to keep those two relationships separate and um yeah I can totally appreciate that and I think you know it's great you realize how important that that relationship is outside of work when you take a step back from it and you exit like we did and, and you did as well um and I guess your mum probably is still a massive um inspiration and, and I guess probably confident to you in terms of just helping with ideas and support as Amy is to me absolutely you know um I have a lot of traits that I share with my mum, although we're very different in terms of which side of the brain tends to dominate. Um, my mum brought me up, you know, going around doing up houses and very much this do it now mentality, which is just let's just crack on and do it without hanging around. And that is like probably my fundamental um skill in business I would say now and I do say that you know that song like I got it from my mama I, I say that a lot when it comes to interiors and, and stuff um she did a lot of property development so I was used to like going to houses trying to imagine what there could be you know going around bargain rails TK Maxx sales section batch ends of roll paper and Laura Ashley and like you know uh bargain hunting she, lo she loved doing so I'm really really grateful for everything that I've learned from her um and it was a fantastic ride in that business and she's still in that business while I've moved on to explore other sectors Brilliant. And so you exited Pink over a year ago now, actually completing in February 2020, so almost a year to the date. Um, how did it feel to exit a business that you'd built from scratch? Um, traumatic. It wasn't something that I um, had just made a, a quick decision on. I'd been considering it for a couple of years, I would say. Um the market had changed quite a lot um it wasn't my role had changed a lot in a growing business as you will be aware because you've had the same experience um what you went in doing is not what you end up doing so quite often where at the start you know I was buying the stock and styling it and shooting it and selling it and I inevitably with like a, a team of 70 staff you end up sitting in meetings for the majority of the day. And to be honest, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that I don't like meetings, but I really love being creative. I think that's, and over time, I just got to the point a bit where I really wanted to just be, you know, on the coal face again and doing it, doing it all. But when you've got such a big structure, it's quite hard to just rewind that. You can't just say, right, I'm shooting everything because we were releasing 20 styles a day. You just can't do that. There's processes. Um, so, yeah, I think it's probably a common thing that people end up in a role that they're not particularly using their strengths. So when I've come into 
this business and started up, um, there are certain things that I'm not delegating. I'm just going to keep a hold of um, because I feel that my strengths best complement those. And then there are things that I'm like really bad at. So I obviously delegate them like being organized, diaries, HR finance is not my thing. Um, but yeah, it was quite an emotional process. I remember this time last year, I was rehearsing what I was going to say about exiting the business and I couldn't get my head around what I was going to say. And I remember I, I, the, it was going through and I was, I took a bit of time off. So I was um, walking my daughter to nursery, pushing the prom, trying to get exercise. Every morning I rehearsed in my head, all the way there, I would rehearse what I was going to say. And I just couldn't get my head around what I was going to say because it was like my baby. And I was thinking, and for some reason, I was so focused on what people were going to think or, or say, because they associated me with that business. But now I look back and I think, why did I overanalyze? Because you just go, oh, I'm just moving on to do something else. But um, but yeah, it was my baby. It was steeped in emotion. I've been through every emotion in that company. It was the most fantastic journey. Um, so it was definitely an experience. Um, but yeah, I've, I've moved on. I'm still interested. I still chat to the team there. We share tips and everything, uh, catch up on how it's going. But yeah, I'm in fully fledged growth mode with the, these businesses now. Brilliant. And obviously a huge amount of learnings, I guess, from your, you know, that first ride. And I guess, you know, understanding the things that you love and the things that you don't love and being able to hang on to those things now in a new business journey right from the very beginning is um, going to probably prove really, really valuable to shape that future role and what that looks like. But, you know, we'll hear a little bit of what what's coming from Rowan Group in a minute. Um, I mean, I guess you, you took a little bit time off um, to do some of the simple things in life and um, maybe give yourself some headspace, but not much before you decided to launch um, a new group of companies with your husband. Um, so Rowan Group was born um, and I, I guess it's moving from a, a one relationship into a new relationship. And, and how has working with your husband been to this, this point in terms of balancing home life, a little girl at home, lockdown, running several businesses? How's it been so far? Um, so I worked with Andrew, my husband, in the last business. So that was just another layer of dynamic to the um senior leadership team uh, worked really well at the start um, and we knew that we worked well together we're both very very driven we have all these ideas like the majority of our time out of work was and is spent on thinking up plots and schemes for new things that we could do um, talking about businesses and he always jokes that you know we'll be like on a breakaway and I'll be like, I wonder who owns that chain? And he's like, you, why do you just come away and constantly think about business? But it's just my passion. Um, so we knew that we align on that. And I think that's one of the reasons that we get along so well. But we know that we work very well together. Again, Andrew's very operationally focused, great at buying, um, keen interest in all of the elements. But where I'm very focused on marketing, he is more operations, finance, sorting things out. 
Um, so um, we knew that we would probably do something, but nothing was firmed up this time last year. Um, so we decided that we would go traveling for a year because we'd been on this crazy growth journey with the businesses and um, we had a property investment um, business as well that he was running while I was at PB. And um, we thought, right, before our little girl goes to school properly, let's go and travel a bit because we've never traveled and we don't want to regret it. This is kind of our only chance this year. So we had booked all the trips. We were going to St. Petersburg and Rome and Amsterdam and all sorts. And then COVID hit. So then everything was cancelled. And we spent about two weeks in the house. And there's just something about being stuck in the house nowhere to go and for me I felt not much direction in what I was doing because I didn't really have and jumping from a role that was literally I mean the fast-paced nature you'll know running a, a high growth business is just you have to be on the ball constantly thinking so clearly making hundreds of decisions every day um, to just kind of being at home um, and I think my daughter didn't enjoy the lack of structure either because there was just nothing to do, you know, we were, there wasn't any parks open or anything. Um, so we just had this itch and we're like, let's just start something else. So we had like three, um, we had two ideas up our sleeve and I've been contemplating starting up in interior design. And I did a diploma. So obviously, I've got a fashion background, I had journalism, then it's fashion e-commerce. Um, and then I studied for an interior design diploma online, just like at the start of last year. Um, and then, I like my mum was saying to me, why don't you do it freelance? Like, why don't you do a bit of interior design? She said, you know, I think you'd be good. And I was like, oh, God, really? Me do interior design? Are you sure? Like, people would trust me. I don't know. Which, like, oh, I've never done this before. Okay. I had an Instagram home account. And I thought, well, I might just post on it that I might do a bit of interior design work. So I had someone come through. Um, my first ever client and she was fab so trusting and I came up with a bit of a formula like a project flow of how it would work so we do mood boards floor plans 3d designs and a shopping list and um it all worked really well and it turned out looking quite good and I was like oh like I didn't think I really like that went really well actually it looks quite good and um so I decided to start putting out for more. Obviously, my pricing was based on me sitting at home. This is me doing the work on my own. And then I said to Andrew, like, maybe we should push this. And we'd been sitting on these two other ideas, um, which were food food businesses. Um, one being our daughter's got various allergies, and it's really hard to shop for her, which we'd learn as parents. So we thought maybe there's a market in this um having like an allergy food website where you can choose the allergens and it'll filter out um and show you only what you can eat or the person that you're caring for and uh, low calorie because I'm always on yo-yo diets and I find it hard to shop for them and I always get sidetracked by high calorie products so um we decided we, we almost weren't ready to take the plunge on 
a business, uh, just a single one with like a big overhead of offices and stuff. But we saw these really glam offices, which is where I am now, um, in Gosforth, and we saw and we saw a little warehouse near it. And we thought, well, if we did all three as a group, but the offices were kind of were had their main core staff base within the group, so we had, um you know, marketing team, usually you wouldn't be able to afford that if you just have one business. But maybe if we had three, we could afford to have that like really good head of marketing or whatever. And that would help us get ahead a bit. Whereas before in business, we'd have to reinvest and reinvest and only get those key people when we could afford them. We thought this time around, why don't we bring in these real like hotshot senior people first and then get them to build out and kind of supercharge the growth. Um, so, yeah, we just bought the stock. We bought food stock. We put it in the warehouse. We never worked in the food industry before, um, but we just went for it and um, hired an interior design team. And naturally what happened was that me being from an e-commerce background, well, Andrew and I, I just veer back to e-com because I love e-com and I know how to do it so well. And what I realized was we were completely booked up for interior design, but we um, we, we couldn't really service any more interior design clients. But what we could do is style a collection that they could buy and literally just put straight in their room that was made by our, kind of made up by our interior designers. So we decided to do that. So we launched the e-com site for Rowan Homes. Um, so we did that in um, September of last year um, and we've seen massive growth on that. Um, but what's actually happened with the food businesses, so I haven't actually publicly said this yet, so this is the first time that I'm publicly saying it, but I don't know if you've heard about the digital ads ban that is in process at the moment in food. Um, we got wind of that a few months ago. I think it was like end of November and it was published um, in the news. And that really scuppered our plans um, in regards to food because as a startup, you'll know, you've got to do loads of acquisition marketing. So find people who've never heard of your brand before and you've got to pay a lot to get them. But obviously what you hope is that they come back and then you you might have spent a load of money getting them, but they'll come back and they'll keep spending. Brilliant. You can keep retargeting them. So what we were doing is we were running those businesses and we were investing heavily into acquiring the customer base. So what we thought is, well, right, we'll invest, we might break even, make a loss in the first couple of years. But then it'll start, you know, turning good. But as you know, in startup and in e-com, you've got to constantly um, drive acquisition all of the time. What was going to happen, we realized, is that actually with the digital ads ban, we're not going to be able to advertise. And it says, you know, oh, you can't advertise things that are high in calories and stuff like that. But a lot of the things that we sold, like loads of, we're like low calorie, but they were like chocolate covered meringue bars and stuff like that. They're not going to make it through, even though they're low calorie. It was saying anything with like excessive amounts of this or that or the other. And I don't disagree with it. I really don't disagree with it. I think it's quite an important change in marketing. I just think that it's quite hard to swallow for food companies. Um, 
So that really changed our whole thinking. And one of our key things in business is we uh, like to fail fast. We're like, we don't want to keep trading and losing money or anything. And we just made a decision. We just said, right, we're not going to do them. We're not going to keep investing in these brands. So we let them run for a little bit, um, let some of the stock run down. And then we made the decision, right, yeah, we've, because we thought, let's sit on it for a month, see how we feel, switch a market and down. And um, we just said, right, it's not a goer. So that completely changed things for us, but it's okay. So what we've done is we've actually, we're closing down those two food brands. And luckily, the e-com has gone absolutely wild. Um, so, you know, we're seeing crazy, crazy growth. Um, so we've invested heavily in that. So we have pivoted very, very quickly. Um, but I think that's a good thing that we've made quick decisions. I could dwell on it and say, oh, God, I can't believe that didn't work out. But what's the use in that? We may as well just crack on. And, you know, I think part of the time, the bravery is in making the decision quickly, as you say, you know, fail fast, move on, learn from it, do something, you know, something different. And a lot of the big companies that we have worked with in the past, their, their um, I guess their time taken to make that decision is often what takes them down in the end. Um, or they're just such a big company, they can't be agile enough to make the, the, you know, the huge changes that they need to make quickly. So, you know, a hugely brave decision to make, I think, but also how on earth would you have managed three scaling crazy growth businesses and a little girl at home if, um, if you know, how were you planning to manage that? Or was it just a case that you were just gonna <laughs> suck it and see? I think, to be honest, somewhat naively, we just thought we'll just do three businesses and um, we'll just do it. But what you realize is that it's just quite hard to concentrate because you're not getting any one job done completely or effectively. And you're kind of neglecting every company because your attention's just split all of the time. Um, so... Um, I don't know. I think people tend to do it right when they've been running for quite a long time with a, a central business and then they will acquire something that is complementary that they need. You know, it's already part of their process, their business process. And it's not to say in the future that we wouldn't acquire, say, manufacturing business, which, manu which we're already buying from or something like that. But we definitely won't be going in other directions because it was just too many different things to process um and you know i'm completely honest with that and um, because people said god how are you doing three startups and you go <laughs> you go oh yeah yeah and you're like oh it's like just a kind of head spinning type feeling we did do like we got through so much but it's so nice to focus on the one business um and i think having a three-year-old as well i think it's actually, it is challenging at, time with, at times with childcare, but it's lovely that we actually have that, right, hang on, we've got to go and get her from school. And you just have to stop. It, and you've got that work-life balance thing, which is, it's a demand, really. Um, right, I have to stop and I have to go and get her and we'll have to do something nice. And I think that's lovely. Um, it's really good mentally, actually, to have that family time, which I didn't have in the first business. We just worked round the clock constantly. Um, but yeah, 
she doesn't allow us to uh, just kind of sit and work. So you just have to give her your full attention. And she's absolutely gorgeous. So it's, it's a pleasure having her. Yeah, she is. She's gorgeous. So she's got a little, a little mini you. So watch out world, I think. <laughs> oh, she's very demanding. <laughs> Can't imagine where she gets that from. Oh, honestly. <laughs> so obviously you're in the process of scaling Roan Homes now. Um, and this is the second time round. I mean, how is it different to the first time with Pink? Any any major differences? Any major similarities? Um, loads of similarities. Um, it, it's brilliant having that experience, having already been through it. I think in the first business, it's the unknown. You never know what's going to happen in the next year. And you do always have that with startup. Um, and I, we have th that with this business, you know. But we know that we're probably going to have a, pro a problem every day, if not more. And we do. But it's expected. And that's quite nice. Whereas before it was like, I remember in Pink Boutique, the first time that the website went down, I literally, my world was over. Like I was like, websites aren't meant to go down. What's going on? Like, oh my God. Like, you know, Black Friday website was down for an hour or something. And I was like, it was my whole world. And it was absolutely the end of my world. Um, but now knowing that it's not the end of the world, is like massive because you go, oh God, uh, that delivery's been delayed by two months. What we're gonna do? Quick, get on, see what else we can get in. Or, you know, like this thing's arrived damaged, right? Cancel the other order that we had for it. It's, the website's gone down. This has happened, this crisis, that crisis, it's fine. You know, we can sort it. So I think that we think very logically about things and we try and encourage our team as well to understand mistakes will happen problems will arise and um, mistakes it's okay we're all human never be worried to tell us what has happened and I think that's been good because you know like you you might input 90 units instead of 19 on an order or something but it's just uh-oh, this has happened, right? What are we going to do about it? So um, we talk very openly about our business journey, you know, and and that it's the, all of this stuff is okay and that problems are okay. I love the challenges. It's yeah. good fun. <laughs> I, of, I, I wondered, because uh, uh, somebody asked me not so long ago about how did I manage through lockdown and the beginning of lockdown, I absolutely loved in a weird way because the the kind of fight or fly the problems that you were having to solve every single day the adrenaline about like what we're going to do to get over this how we're going to deal with this was escalated from normal business life which is nuts in its own right to another level completely and I think it's that whether you thrive on that or not it's that understanding of right how are we going to fix this thing and I think completely right you know understanding that when things go wrong there's always an answer. There's always a solution. It's not the end of the world. Um, and I think that's something that probably just comes with confidence because I remember, you know, I used to be exactly the same when something went wrong. It was like, oh, my God, this is it. The business is gone. The, you know, the world is over. Um, but it's really interesting as you look. I think you learn that through years of, of fixing problems as they arise and surviving them. I don't know if, like, business people generally just run on adrenaline. I'm starting to think, I think in the last business, I thought, God, this is unsustainable. Like this is such a roller coaster. And maybe in my head I had that everybody else has 
their shit together. <laughs> you know, like everyone else is just running like really stable and like, but I actually now think that you have to be able to just run on adrenaline and kind of like that positive stress. Do you, are you running on adrenaline a lot of the time? Always, always. start up. Yeah, a Another start up. An established business, two boys at home. Like, and I constantly say to myself, tomorrow's going to be a quieter day. That's what that's what the dream is, a quieter day. And then I just give myself another three things to do. And I, and I, I don't do well with quiet days. I don't do well when I've got nothing to do. I need that crazy adrenaline. So, yeah, I think it's part of... I think it's part of the makeup of, of entrepreneurs who just want to do amazing things, isn't it? You've got to have that side to you, I think. Um, exactly. I think um, sometimes I say, just like you, let's have a quiet day. I'll say, right, next week, let's not do anything new. Let's just do what we're already doing. And then even when I'm behaving, one of the team will come, like Alicia, I'll buy an assistant, will go, I know you said don't do anything new, but I've just seen this really great product. And I was thinking, and I'm like, no. Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. now I'm gonna have to do something new I didn't yeah. say it you said it <laughs> love it um well just talking about doing things new I suppose and recruitment in general because you've done a huge amount of recruitment over this year um 14 new jobs I think in the last six months or so um how easy has it been in attracting the right talent for you guys has any particular areas that you've struggled in um how do you find the right staff um so we're up to this week it will be our 16th member of staff because we're just today i believe taken on another warehouse operative um but yeah um we used to struggle in pb really really badly with um marketing um and buying a bit what we used to find is people who had gone to work in london would inevitably want to come back home if they were from newcastle at some point and that's where we got the majority of our talent because they've been trained by Arcadia or Asda or whoever else. Um, in this business, we haven't struggled, but I do think it is sadly a product of the times that um, there are a lot of people looking at the moment. So in terms of recru recruitment, it's all been very quick. Um, and we're fortunate enough to have secured a fantastic team, really, really talented. And I've never quite seen everyone knit together so well, especially with teams working from home. We have some essential staff in the office. So um, like, for instance, our buying assistant goes between the warehouse and the office because she's got new samples coming in and everything all the time. And then with all of the marketing team are at home. But yeah, um, they've been exceptional. So touch wood, we haven't had any issues so far, um, but we will be on a big recruitment drive going forward. Yeah, yeah, excellent. And I think, you know, it is sadly a product of the times, but there is also a real positive around there that there's some unbelievable talent out there. Um, and I guess it's just aligning the vision and the values with that person, with the business. And, you know, and hopefully we'll all, we'll all see that come through. This podcast is brought to you by Fabric, a training academy that empowers the most ambitious marketers to thrive. You're already a marketer or you want to get into marketing. You have ambition like no other and are driven to be the best at what you do. So how can you make sure you make a big impact wherever you go? Well, we're here to share over 20 years of experience and industry insights in just 12 weeks. By the end of our programme, you'll know how to build a marketing strategy that delivers big time business impact. 
show how valuable you are through effective reporting and to help your organisation smash targets and reach its goals. Get ready to be the change that propels organisations forward. Nail your next interview, review or board meeting and make yourself the marketer that every business wants. To find out more, visit fabric-academy.com. So aside from the successes that you've had in business so far, which we've seen a lot of them over the years from you, um, where have you had some sort of failure, I guess, that's taught you some really valuable lessons? Any major things that have happened to you or one particular standout thing which didn't work out as you planned and and has helped drive forward? Well, I, I suppose you could say there's a failure in launching two food brands and closing them down. But I think that it's reframing around that word fail, failing. Um, I did hear this quote once, which has stuck with me, and it said, you don't lose in business, you learn. And actually, I call them kind of mini degrees, every trauma that we go through. And this happens all of the time, you know, you'll install a plugin on the website that's really expensive to integrate and you think it's going to do all this amazing stuff and actually it doesn't you spent all that money and you haven't got the return but you've learned and then when you're going out for another plugin you're always checking these individual things you know where to look in the contract so it's almost paying for an education luckily we haven't had anything that has literally like you know, killed us off in terms of how much it's cost us. But at times it has come close to that over the journey in business. Um, And it has been quite traumatic at those times, but we got over it. Um, So yeah, I, I wouldn't pinpoint one thing, but I would say that I probably fail at least once a day on something. It just depends what you call it. Is it a blooper? Is it a mistake? Is it a failing? Um, I think it's about getting back up after that or letting yourself wallow for a day and then getting on with it. Sometimes you've got to let yourself wallow for a bit. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Um, And I guess probably leads on quite nicely to if if you were to go back to your, I guess, your teaching assistant days and, and, you know, you had an idea that this is the journey you were about to embark on, any advice you would give to yourself back then to do things differently or? Um, I... I don't know if I would have done it if I had imagine if I could view like a showreel of what was going to happen I 100% there's no way I would have done it because I wasn't confident then so I think that the unknown is a good thing um but yeah I, I'm happy that everything happened the way it did but I would just say to myself throw yourself into everything that you do and that is what I did but that would be my advice to other people as well. Um, I remember watching this clip when I was younger and it was someone's a dad's advice to his child. And he said, whatever you're doing, do it to the best of your ability. So, you know, if you're working behind a bar, bartend to the best of your ability, be the best at that that you can. And I think that's just fantastic advice because you never know which opportunities are going to come Round the corner, you know, you could be working in a sandwich shop, you're so cheery, you put everything into what you do, and someone walks in who's recruiting for your absolute dream job and says, you know what, you're a breath of fresh air, come and work in my office. And you just then, you know, that there are so many opportunities out there. It's, you don't necessarily, sometimes it's just your outlook 
that can form where you're going to go. So I think, yeah, my advice to my younger self would be just throw yourself into things and don't worry about what's going to happen. Measured risk is good, but don't don't worry or overanalyze. Yeah, good advice, really good advice. And I think that's really... Um, good advice for anybody starting out you know I think there's I remember when we started out in the early early days I mean the planning that went into this business that we had no idea what was going to come of it but the time we spent planning and trying to map everything so we had a business plan and a financial forecast and a risk scenario and a and you know none of it I think ever got used or looked at ever again we actually just started to develop what what became the agency um and you learn along the way but I think you're right if you would if you knew half the time what was coming um it might terrify you into a completely different direction so the unknown is always good um so just talking about I guess your passion for interior design you've now got a, a interior design company who's obviously doing a, amazing things how is your own home looking? Are you obsessed with const- constantly renovating the house? Is it all perfect? What does it look like? So at the moment, because this has kind of grown so quickly, everything is still shot in my home, which sounds like a good idea. <laughs> at the start, it was a good idea. But then when you're launching so many new lines, it gets pretty hectic. So what happens is we get a sample of everything so we're either launching a capsule collection so we'll do like a full collection that all goes together so you can literally just shop items from that collection and put them straight in your home and you know that we've checked and vetted them and they go together and we've done that side of the deal um or there's just single items that are maybe topping up our ranges or to go into our main core categories like cushions and lighting and things. So I have a steady stream of boxes. So my hallway has now just become a store area of boxes. Um, and we're unpacking. But do you know when you order things online, you get to unpack them and set them all up and it looks lovely and you chuck the packaging away. What I have to do is unpack the sample and stage it and then it doesn't stay there looking beautiful I then have to take it all back out so it's not ideal and it's a massive priority for us to um sort that and that is part of our um growth plan so we've just signed on a 30,000 square foot warehouse um and inside of the warehouse we're building the ground floor of a house as a studio so we'll literally have the rooms um so that we can shoot in that studio all of the time but we want it to be like a real home so we thought why not just build the ground floor and then we will once we get to that point we can build an upstairs as well um but just to keep costs down while we're growing we're going to build downstairs um so yeah that that will be in about may we will be moved in and shooting in there so i've just got to get to may then i can do my rooms and leave them because obviously with staging you kind of have to take the core elements out so you've got like a like a base to put things in so they they're like a bit bare or i'm always going to a bookshelf and going right that coral i'm gonna put over there to team with that because I hold on to some bestsellers so that I can rejig them all the time rather than like pack them back up. Um, so yeah, it's been good fun, 
but um, also during COVID times, obviously, um, I can't really have people helping me because it's in my home and it's kind of close proximity asylum stuff. So it's quite labor intensive with running the business as well to take like however many days just to shoot a collection. So uh, yeah, it's been really interesting, but I can't wait to have my home kind of styled again. I haven't lost my passion for it yet. I still love, love, love interiors. I'm still obsessed with it, so. Good. And that leads us on to our last question. And I, I guess what, what's next, Alice, for, for Rowan Homes, for Rowan Group and, and the business? What's the big vision? And, and you personally, what's next? So we are having loads of fun, um, even through the crazy crises that we face all of the time with stock getting stuck in ports and all that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, we are going for growth. It's just what we do. And, you know, I say that I want to keep shooting all the stock and then I try and grow the business like ridiculously. So inevitably, I can't shoot all the stock. Um but yeah, we're, we're going for growth. We're going for rapid growth. Um, so we are looking at funding options to put into stock because we need to rapidly increase our stock holding. Um, we are reinvesting everything at this point, which is the same thing that we did with Pink Boutique. Um, we're really passionate about that. So if we sell products and we make a margin, then that money goes straight back into stock or growing the staff team or premises. So at this point, we are investing a lot. We've already invested an initial amount. We're looking at funding to fund the stock and inventory, um, and that will fuel sales. But yeah, just going for growth and seeing where it takes us and where we can max out and launch loads of collections and just keep having fun, I suppose. Sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. Hopefully there's a bit of holiday time and rest time for you in there somewhere or is that dangerous because a new business idea might fall? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose it is. I know we know now that we're fo we've made a pack that we're focused. Um, I tend to get like get on holiday and I'll have like one day, like one day holiday will be great. You know, if, you, if it didn't take so long to travel, I love lying on the beach for one day. And then I'm kind of done and ready to get on and do some productive. Um, so, so no, I'm sure we'll go away in the summer some, somewhere. That'll be nice if we can. I really hope we can. Go somewhere hot, lie on a beach, and I tend to come back. I don't know about you. I tend to come back, like, really raring to go, yeah. like, supercharged. Are you like that yeah, with exactly. a million things on your list? Yeah, exactly. And a whole new kind of lease of energy to unleash on whatever yeah. you're supposed to do next. So. It's dangerous, actually. It is. People are it probably is. like, in, in house, people are probably like, don't go on holiday because you come back and you've got a million and one new things on your list. <laughs> no, it's good. It's where all the breathing space happens for the new ideas, I think. So that's, I always look at it as a way to, uh, I guess, fuel innovation rather than being caught up on that crazy hamster wheel of the day-to-day -day stuff. Um, but yes, my team are often the same. They dread me coming back because they'll always know I have a new idea and they'll be thinking, here we go again. <laughs> do you manage to switch, like, to not do emails or are you, have I you ever done like a week? 
Yeah, I have. I'd own, only over the last couple of years as I've built out the senior team. Um, but it took me a long time to build out the right senior team who I knew absolutely everything was in order. Um, and I always have a one scheduled call with, with my creative director um, throughout that week where she can use that time to... Um, I guess pass over anything that might need my attention or just run anything past me but the actual the last time I went away we had that that call scheduled for midweek and she texted me to say there's no need everything's in hand so I didn't even need the call so um, it's a it's a great place to get to when you've got a really good team around you who can just drive the business forward without you. No that's fantastic that's brilliant and now you're on to your next thing which is obviously fabric which looks so amazing yes indeed it's doing amazing things as well we smashed our numbers for the first cohort of the year so we're on to just seeing that cohort through and supporting people along the way and hopefully the big plan is to change as many marketers lives as we possibly can by giving them all the experience that it's taken 20 years to build up and give them it in 12 weeks and get them going and accelerating in their jobs so yeah watch That's this space amazing. with fabric yeah that's amazing I'm so interested I really want to do it but I just don't have the time to do it but I'm like if I book it in then at least I'll have to do it because the attractive thing from my point of view is you can work on your business so it's not like you're just working on like theory all of the time you can actually apply it and have that outcome at the end you've got this kind of planning and structure that you can use and you can just go and roll that out so I, I think that's fantastic for people who are already marketers yeah yeah well that's the whole point not just theoretical just get stuck in and do it so yeah yeah we'll see how we go so Alice honestly it's been amazing thank you so much I'm, I'm absolutely certain that everybody's gonna love this interview and be so inspired and if we get a hundred million ideas coming out of this we'll uh, we'll credit that to you for sure um, thank you for being part of the Ginwag and we'll see you soon. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's been lovely catching up with you. I'll speak to you soon. Well, that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed this, please do share with your friends, your network, rate us and do subscribe so we can keep you updated with future episodes. Until then, take care.